The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to the Peaky Blinders podcast from Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario Busto, alongside... Zachary. Hello, welcome back. Episode We're four. back, Zach. We're back with season one, episode four of Peaky Blinders, the month before the new season of Peaky Blinders comes out. But we're continuing. We're going to finish season one, and then we're going to do season two and three and four and five. And then the first half of six. And then we're going <laughs> to do the last season of Peaky Blinders. So we're here... And um, I think we got, what, two more episodes left in this season? Yeah. We got three. We're on episode six. four Ooh. tonight. We're on episode four tonight, and then we got five and six to I go. thought there was only five in the first season. Oh, there's six. All right. Breaking news. Well, we got like another week and a half to go for this. Yeah, yeah. Well, a week probably, because we got one more this. A week from today. Yeah, three more. Yeah, because yeah, we, we record week. one week. Yeah. We okay, it. cool. Let's roll into this thing, man. We got... um. I would say this episode is a more joyous, lighter note of an episode compared to some of the the earlier ones. You know, some things are coming together. We see a little bit of success for the yeah. for the Shelby boys, would you say? Yeah, I mean, it, at least Grace didn't kill anybody in this one, right? This is true, right? She killed someone in the last one, that's right? Yeah. Was there any deaths in this episode? Uh, yes, yeah, there, there was. was. There was. There was. There's one. At Everyone least. who's seen this, I'm assuming, has watched this episode, so we know one. there's one communist who dies in this uh, episode. I mean, it could just be somebody who just started watching the uh, show, listening to this. Recapping. Oh, well, it didn't yeah, specify which communist died in this episode. I know. Um, all right. Well, let's get going. We have an episode recap to get to. We have our notes, our observations, and... Um, opinions and whatever. Yeah, opinions yeah, and whatever. It'll be, it'll be fine. Zach, side note, I'm kind of jealous of your of the background of your podcast setup because yeah. I just have my bed because my <laughs> office is set up in my room. Yeah. And it's a blank wall because I haven't found something that I wanted to put there. But it's probably the most boring corner of my of my room. And you got records back there and stuff. Like, I do. The, my family room looks much cooler. Yeah, I know. You, you know? should move it to your family room. It's but funny. I got to move the whole desk. In yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's, all, it's all for the uh, the look, right? I'm going to do something. Mark my words, it will not be boring back there forever. No, you just put, mean, put like a, know, a strip just, of wood right above the, the I even got headboard. Like some, I, I got some work, like some artworks over there and stuff. But yeah, I'm going to do like a, I don't know, like a piece of wood back there with like a, 
you know, some what are those lights called? Those fluorescent bulbs that you can spell stuff with? I'll maybe put some neon. You mean like a neon light? Neon, yeah, neon. That actually yeah. might look pretty cool. I think I'll do like a story archive sign. I'll do a custom story archive sign on like the headboard area. I'll put like a wooden shelf. That would be neat. That'd be dope, right? Then I would probably top you. Uh, it might be close. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you top it. All right. What's your drink of choice today? I'm drinking some quality H2O. I got some Jameson Irish whiskey. Only the good stuff for uh, for the peaky. Jameson. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Let's get this going. Episode recap starting now. Maybe starting a little slow. All good. Let's get this to a solid 1.25x. It's almost or, the perfect speed. I wish there was like a 1. A 1. Yeah, yeah. Why not? I almost wish there was like a 2x on here. Yeah. Why? Because I'm used to having 2x on my podcasts. Anytime I'm I'm listening to a podcast, if it's in my ears, I listen mm-hmm. to it on 2x. But if it's on like a in the car. I have to, I can't go any higher than like 1.5 because it just yeah sounds too quick. Got you. Well, I can't watch television shows in 2x. So let's get started here. We got a very <laughs> romantic stroll with Ada, pregnant with her very romantic husband, uh, Freddie Thorne, taking her down a very dirty river in the middle of industrial era Birmingham. Yeah, dates with this guy it seems kind of risky. You never know what's going to happen. Well, he takes you under a tunnel, you know, you get, you know, it's just not much. She's smoking cigarettes. Also, back then, I guess there was not like, don't drink and don't smoke while you have a baby. No, that, that, not back then. I mean, for the, keep in mind, for the longest time, doctors and the the medical industry thought cigarettes and smoking was healthy for you. They're not? I don't don't know. (laughs) I mean, not cigarettes, at least. Yeah. Well, Freddie's just returned from London, and he's reported that London's on the on the brink of revolution. They're ready for a communist revolution, and uh, he's pretty much just stirring up trouble. There's, you know, Tommy's instincts are kind of correct about Freddie here, where mm-hmm. it's just it's a thorn. He's a thorn in his side. Yeah. Uh, then we get a shot with Tommy returning back, just kind of just walking through the neighborhood in his strolls, and Jeremiah, the uh, what is he a priest, he's like a, a pastor, preacher, preacher know, he's, guy? he's like a soapbox preacher kind of man. He's like a Bob Jamaican, Marley preacher. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bottom line is we kind of get like a little sneak peek of the fact that Tommy kind of has a network of spies in that neighborhood that, that tell him what's yeah. what. I think he made yeah. an appearance in like the first episode, but it was he not. He does. Like yeah. it was nothing important. Jeremiah becomes a more pronounced character later on in the yeah. show. And, you know, that's you know, not like necessarily a main revolving mm-hmm. character, like where we see some character development, but he's... Uh, he's a more prominent character in later seasons, I would say. Yeah. Anyways, we get a little behind-the-scenes look of uh, a, a Lee Boys gypsy ambush yeah. waiting. I don't know who this little boy is. He's but, one uh, of the Lee Boys. He snuck in there. How the hell did he sneak in there? Uh, With who? I, he, he just snuck in and ran and hid. And that's why uh, Polly, I mean, Polly didn't see him and nobody saw him. But, you know, I'm actually surprised Tommy was a little bit more suspicious of the wagon. He eyed it when he when he walked in here, but maybe Tommy just completely knew. Ignored it. Yeah, but he completely ignored it. Like why would you want to be ransacked and have a grenade? Well, we'll get to that point. You but, you uh, would also assume like with his spies in the neighborhood that he would know. Yeah, like up, I feel like there would be everything. guards outside or something. 
But is it so far-fetched to think that maybe Tommy knew and that's why some of the things that happened later in the episode happened? With John and, you know, his his arranged betrothal? I don't know. I mean, they, they already had this, like, feud going on before this, before the whole... Um, uh, I gotta Billy say, Kimber Scud- thing, so. what's his name? Scudboat? They called him Scudboat? I think so, yeah. Uh, I think Scudboat got away here pretty clean, considering. Oh, he did. Like, he- honestly, if I was running the gambling operation, I would probably assume that, that Scudboat <laughs> was a spy and it was him, because he really at least should have had an ear ripped off or yeah, something, something, you know? Because he, got a, he got a butt smack in the face with that. Yeah, because you see the guy, you saw the guy right there with the wrap on his ear? Yep. That's because the Peaky Blinders, no, Arthur cut know. off his ear. So I would assume Scudboat would have been... A little more uh, hurt than that. You know, he, he really looks like a pirate, honestly. Like, I could see him in Pirates of the Caribbean. He doesn't really fit in, but he also kind of looks half gypsy. Yeah. So maybe he's like gypsy. It's like the, the jewelry thing. It's the earring. Yeah. It's, that, it's the earring, I would say. But it, like, it's a different look. It's a, It's not the usual look. Um, I guess you could say that they did come for full retaliation because they try to leave a grenade. Well, they do leave a grenade for yeah. Tommy. Yeah. And uh, you can see like in that in that moment with Tommy where he's there and talking. I'm kind of skipping forward a little bit here. So Just a we're going to do bit. some backtracking and not necessarily do things in order. But Tommy has a bit of respect for one of the Lee Boy leaders. Mm-hmm. He says that he served in the war mm-hmm. and he knows about the game. We'll get back to what the game is in a second because... Before uh, the Shelby boys find out that they've been knocked off, is that the way to say it? Knocked off? I don't think it's the. R- I think right it's knocked off. It. I think knocked off means you've been robbed. I think that means you've been uh, killed. No, I think you're wrong. Anyways, we'll do some. Uh, we, that's why we need like a, like one a third person to do some fact checking for us whenever we say some that would, stuff that's off the rail. That would be good. But we get a we get a confession from John here, who's overwhelmed by his four children that he apparently has <laughs> that have never made an appearance on the show and do not make an appearance at any point later on in the show that I can think of. Yeah. He's talking about okay. how his, uh, his four kids, which I wrote with a question mark kids. Yeah. Uh, doesn't have but a mother. His, so he's, but his wife, his wife died yeah. apparently. Right. Yeah, so, supposedly. so now his proposal is that he's overwhelmed with the kids. He can't really take care of them like that, which kind of makes sense. Cause you don't see John that often in the early episodes, which would, Make you think that he's, he's taking care of the kids, going on. yeah, right. But then why would Polly not be involved? Uh, yeah, I mean she is she is the mother of the the gang. Altogether, feels a little plot holy considering what we know from the later seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then additionally, I would say um, that John's option for a wife is not to the liking <laughs> of uh, of his family because it's Lizzie Stark, who's apparently a renowned prostitute. She is in the, the streets of Birmingham. Pump. Yeah, it's 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 kind of funny because he he phrases it, yeah, that he's overwhelmed with with the kids and everything, but it's really they don't have a mother, so he's trying to marry this lady so that they have a mother. But he's going to marry the town Natural. whore. Well, Great do we ever see role. Tommy hook up with Lizzie in the first season? I don't think so. I don't think no? we've we haven't seen anything like that with Tommy. Up to this yeah, because because he alludes to it, um, but we don't. I don't think we see it in the first season. I don't think a lot of time has passed since the first episode to now. Like yeah. it's probably been like what a couple months at most. Yeah, we the, the timing of each episode is kind of tricky because you would assume it's been a few months in this show because they end up getting a a legal bet uh, gambling license. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that wouldn't happen super quick. Yeah. 
But um, let's get to this game here because the boys returned back to the, what would you call this den? This gambling den? Uh, yeah, that's a good name for it. We'll call it the okay. gambling den. Return I'm sure back to the they actually have den. a name for it, but I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think there is, but I'm blanking on names right now. Uh, yeah. But uh, they're problem. apparently playing, there's a game in World War II where they would leave booby traps for the enemy. Mm-hmm. And essentially what they would do is all they would leave behind is wire cutters. So you know somewhere in the place you're at has a booby trap and you may be tripping a grenade. Yeah. And sure enough, Tommy realizes that more than likely that grenade was meant for him. And so... His name was on the bullet. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which, why did he think that it would be in the car? Like, how did he know to go to the car? Because it's the only thing of his. It's the only yeah, thing that was him. it. Yeah, like, this is his car. Yeah. And we have... Well, they, uh, they find... He goes to the car, and he finds Finn there, try, <laughs> pretending to be him driving. And uh, Finn is just... Probably the most random character in all of Peaky Blinders. Is, is any character more of a plot device than Finn? At this point, no. <laughs> He's so random and also does like a hyper-aging sequence. Other than, I don't want to get too far ahead. Other than John's uh, four kids, yeah, Finn yeah, takes yeah. the cake. Who knows? Maybe those four kids make an appearance at some point. Uh, <laughs> anyways, Finn, Finn instead of listening of to his kids. brother... Um, decides that he's going to not listen and literally just open the door. But kids are... You know, kids are kids. They're dumb sometimes, and you know they're just trying to. They cannot fathom that somebody would try to harm them necessarily. I guess, and so Finn just does not listen to instructions and yeah. almost kills himself. Almost kills like four miners or coal miners in the background too, because Tommy launches a stick of dynamite <laughs> like in the direction of like two, two, uh, two workers in the background. I think it was an actual grenade, not a dynamite. But, was it a grenade? I thought it was a stick of... Uh, uh, well, back in you know this time, grenades weren't like those round balls that we've had recently. They weren't recently. frags? It's not a frag grenade or an M1 or, or I think, is it an M1 You grenade? sure about that, buddy? Yeah, there used to be a stick. I think it was like a German grenade or German design. I'm almost positive like a round grenade existed in 1920. Oh, I'm, I'm, sure, it, I'm sure it existed, but it wasn't. Uh, it's called a, a style hand grenade. Uh, granite, something like that. It, it's a German hand grenade. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's what they. It was something very similar gypsies, to that. No, it's understandable. Like Why would gypsies have like the latest and greatest of of yeah. army technology? So exactly. They're dealing with the old stuff. Still from the Germans. Anyways, Tommy thinks enough is enough here with this attempted assassination, and uh, tries to, I guess, make a truce here and tries to kill two birds with one stone because mm-hmm. he really. Um, he does something in this meeting where he arranges uh, a peace deal. And mm-hmm. he he kind of calls towards his royal gypsy blood that he has on his mother's side when the gypsy queen, yeah. who's kind of hot, uh, questions his uh, you know his loyalty. Uh, two things. One, th- this she really reminds me of a character Cersei. in a show I just started watching. I just started watching that show C, and the queen, oh. she looks... I mean, I this is like the very first most freaking awkward scene i've ever seen in my life so far like 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 five seconds in with this woman but she reminds me of her anyways also kind of has some thirsty vibes to her tommy like that we'll find out about it later but this is like a really big bet that he just made on somebody making a certain decision a little later in the show yeah if that if, if that person didn't make the decision that tommy predicted that they would make this would well, be a remember, different episode. Tom, Tommy's operating with all the facts. He knows all the facts mm-hmm. involved with Lizzie Stark. So he knows his brother. And he knows ultimately what that his brother's going to do what he needs mm-hmm. him to do. Right? 
Yeah. Because we see a couple of other scenes in this episode, specifically when they're one-on-one, that we kind of see John's heart in a way, you know? Yeah. Cut to Freddy Thorne naked in a in a very uncomfortable-looking tub. Yeah, you got to heat some water in a pot over fire and try not to burn <laughs> burn your balls or something. That I mean, great. There's, I guess there what wasn't a water hose to? back then. Ah, you can, look, there's a pot right there. You know, yeah. getting Ada's going to friend. work right now, by oh, the way. Yeah. Well, some <laughs> let's talk a little here. bit about what's going on. Yeah. Ada's frustrated by how broke they are. I would assume that bathtub is alludes to how broke they are. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And she wants Freddie to pretty much take the deal mm-hmm. that Tommy. I think at this point that Tommy offered him a deal with some money to mm-hmm. leave town for a bit. And Freddie is stubborn. And you know, you got to respect Freddie for saying no to that. You know what I mean? I still think he's a fool. Why? I mean, besides being a communist. There you go. <laughs> you know, uh, but other but than that. It's, it's his, he's sticking communist, to his, his communist uh, tendencies that, that is really keeping him here, though. That's the thing. It's not so much that, you know, he was told to leave. Like, if he wasn't a communist, he wouldn't be told to leave because he wouldn't be in trouble with the law. In this the way is that true. He, is. he would not be but trying I, to ruin but I the see, business. But I see Freddie as like a reflection of Tommy in a way because Tommy used to be sympathetic to the communist cause before he left to war. Hmm. Right? Yeah, he's, yeah they say true. that he's not. They say that he's not the the man that he used to be before the war. He was a more, I guess, he wasn't as jaded by the by human suffering as as he was after the war, where he saw the atrocities that man could commit, and you know, when fighting against each other. Yeah, but we got one of the more important scenes in the show here: uh, a confrontation between Tommy and Campbell, where Tommy's offering him the address to a communist organizer named Stanley Chapman, Stanley I think. Chapman, is yes, name. that is correct. Stanley Chapman. And he is offering this his address in exchange for pretty much safe passage for Ada and Freddie to leave safely from the town. I, w- I, I think that was the deal, mm-hmm. right? Zach doesn't know. <laughs> what, are you, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's given the address because he does he wants not, Ada and Freddie to leave exactly. safely. Yeah, he, wa- he wants their pa- safe passage. Is what he's what he's trying to get here for them. Exactly, but in this scene, Campbell's got to be a little bit over the top. It's almost like he always a has little to assert bit. <laughs> dominance in some way. Yeah, By he way, does have an inferior. In, how, how do you pronounce, how do you say that? Inferior an inferiority complex. Yes, thank you. Yeah, definitely. And more on that in season two, <laughs> two, <laughs> yeah. or maybe it's season one. I don't recall I when everything happens. I think it's two. But um, here he shows who he he really is, who is his heart. Because what he tells Tommy is, "Look, I understand you're giving me this deal here, but I need those weapons. And if you don't give me those weapons, I may be replaced by somebody who Churchill thinks can get results. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not here, you may be in trouble. Because if I get fired by your fault, I'm not only going to kill you." I'm going to kill your brothers. I'm going to kill your sister and the baby inside her belly, as he says with the Scottish mm-hmm. accent. Uh, and he's going to send Finn to a uh, a jail where some terrible things could happen to Finn. And so in that scene, you see, like, Campbell's a, a literal evil. He's ruthless. He's a piece of shit. Like, he's literally, like, he's a ruthless, evil person. Who's power hungry, really? All this for him is just a power grab to move up the ladder of his, uh, what do you call that? Uh, criminal, criminal, mm. criminology. No, I mean, it, Frank. I don't even know what you would call it here, right? Like, I mean, he's in law enforcement, right? Like, he's not 
in a criminal just well i don't know maybe you could call it a criminal justice system or something akin to that yeah he really does think that uh he, I mean, he he wants vengeance on Tommy regardless of what happens here. I think it's clear. Yeah. But Tommy's expression is priceless. He tries to keep a poker face, but you can see he's seething, especially when he brings up that his family is in danger. Yeah. Pulls a gun on him, cocks the yeah. hammer, and Campbell pulls a just gun continues and, to yeah. walk away. Makes you wonder what would have happened if Tommy killed him here. I honestly think, as I was watching this episode again, yeah, if Tommy killed him, what really would Everything have been the re- repercussions? Away. I think everything would have gone away because the cops in that department the don't like him. cops are in his pocket, basically. They don't like Most of the Campbell. cops are in his pocket. And they definitely don't like this no, guy. No, I mean, they, he just brought in a whole bunch of, of people to show them up in, like, episode, what, one? Yeah, I just think that Tommy was not at a point, is not at a point yet here where he can get away with something like that. And maybe never, because if you really think about it, if you kill, like, a sheriff, you know, of a police mm-hmm. department in your town, no matter if you're Tommy Shelby... Like, some shit has to go down. Churchill's going to send somebody. It's, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, he is like Churchill's right-hand man at, at this point here. Or one of yeah. the many of his. Yeah, I mean, he's in direct contact with Churchill. Churchill, uh, yeah, Churchill has him as, like, the guy on the ground, essentially, to stop this uprising that could occur with these weapons, right? Yeah. This is great. You know, they, they, they just pulled uh, Stanley Chapman out of his house, found the money, brought him over to Campbell, and Campbell's like, Mr. Chapman. You are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always love these scenes of Campbell after the fact when he's in his office and he's smoking a pipe. Uh, yeah. And he and he's oh, he's definitely like taking a victory lap. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? 100%. Right. And you got this, you have his sheriff who I think Campbell doesn't trust because I believe this, this uh, deputy that he's talking to in his victory lap scene is in Tommy's pocket. Um, I'm not 100% sure if he actually is. He just seems like the most human out of everybody. Right? Uh, but he's also the only cop here. with a face in this show, aside yeah. from Campbell. You know, he does he does give Tommy a really hard time. Like, I swear, I mean, this is not really giving anything away, but I, I swear he's the one who, who punctured the tires in Tommy's car. Yeah, probably because he had to, because Campbell but commanded him to. I don't, I don't think Campbell would have commanded him to. Like, it's just like... You know when you have a bully above you and, you know, they, they beat on you, sometimes you just kind of beat on somebody else who you can. Well, it's, who's I wonder if, 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 like, in a weird way with Tommy in charge, the neighborhood's a bit safer. Now, granted, there are some, there's going to be a little bit of a power struggle until he's in power, mm-hmm. right? But once he's in power, he can really, you know, command things with an iron fist. Yeah. Right? And at that point, the cops, I would feel, would enjoy the neighborhood a bit more because... Probably getting paid better, getting mm-hmm. paid by the Peaky Blinders, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and look, let's really let's be honest here. What are the Peaky Blinders really doing that's that bad in this show? I know the listeners are gonna of this podcast are gonna be like, "What the hell is this? is yeah, he really saying that what they do is okay?" H2O. But think about it. Take the violence out. They just have a gambling ring. They do rig the races. I understand that that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But if they were just doing an illegal gambling. Uh, operation that's all they do they're yeah. bookmakers they even say it in the show paulie tells tommy don't get involved it's tommy doing the reach here by stealing the guns and the munitions and stuff well, like that. which was accidental it, it the reach yeah. is really you know keeping them and trying to make some move using them as an asset like yeah. it if they didn't steal the guns none of this would be happening. none, none of this not a single thing well the kimber stuff might have happened right 
the Kimber stuff, yes, because the the end goal for them was to get illegal business, right? Like that's what they, you know, they're trying to do, and uh, you know that, that's why he's making the deal with with uh, Billy Kimber, and they I, rigged yeah. the races to get his attention. Like, I think that's what that, it was, uh, you know, Tommy's just trusting his instincts here. Why? You know, be a mastermind like that if you're not going to double down and bet the house mm-hmm. on on what you think is going to be a good move. Because really, it's like it's like a two, it's like a double bet here. He's going to take over for Kimber, as we find out that Tommy's going to, mm-hmm. as he told the Gypsy Queen that he's going to betray Kimber yeah. and take over the pitch. And um, he also wants to kind of leverage these guns to give him a pretty much a free pass with the government. I would think that's you know that's what he's alluded to with Campbell, mm-hmm. right? Um, let's cut to a scene here because we also had Campbell who said he is going back in his word on Tommy and he's still going to go after Freddie. Yeah. And we also had a scene where Paulie confronts kind of like in a scummy way meets Freddie at the graveyard because that's, I guess there's not many ways to get in touch with him, but she seems to be able to get in touch with Ada whenever she needs to. Well, she knew Freddie was going to be at the graveyard because his mother, he was visiting his mother's grave. He visits her the same day every year. So she, for her birthday, she was just there in wait. Yeah. Tommy, I mean, Freddie does something kind of out of character here, but maybe he was just really angry. He tries to grab Polly by the throat because she pretty much threatens him in a way of, um, to leave right mm-hmm. or man no she actually threatens him after when he tries to grab her he says if you ever touch Adolf, she try, kill she tries to convince him to leave but yeah, yeah basically she'll put him in a wooden box because he but freddie puts her, her but freddie does put her in her place because she he says look we don't know each other's addresses because uh-huh. what she what she wanted essentially was for him to leave town and that she tells him that ada was the one who gave up stanley chapman the communist organizer who campbell took out of the house mm-hmm. And uh, Freddie tells him, look, the way it works is we don't know each other's addresses, which is kind of weird because Ada knew his address. So that's a kind of a plot hole unless I'm not thinking about this. thing or something like that. But yeah, uh, probably was betting on Stanley Chapman knowing uh, Ada's and Freddie's address. But, you know, that that didn't really happen. Yeah. And you also have a moment there where... um, Freddie's like, look, you just sentenced an innocent man to die, mm-hmm. which is essentially putting them in their place because they did. Now Stanley Chapman's dead in the following scene yeah. because Campbell does not follow a code of ethics when it comes to interrogating people. So Stanley yeah. was killed in the torturing process, and Campbell's in the process of covering it up with, mm-hmm. you know, deputies who he seems to find information on to leverage with later so that he can get his way in terms of kind of like operating in that gray area of achieving his goal, Mm -hmm. but also kind of like not following the rules either. Yeah. Kind of reminds you of the time when Churchill tells him like, this isn't Glasgow. Bodies can't wash up on the shore here. They end up on the front page of the news. Yeah, that's true. Front page of the newspaper. All right. What's happening here on the next scene. So we have Billy Kimber and Mr. Roberts coming to Birmingham. Mr. Roberts, is that is, his name? Yeah, that's his, that's his name here. It's Mr. Roberts. <laughs> I, this whole time, I had no idea what his name was. I literally just called him the accountant in my notes. I mean, he is the accountant, right? But yeah, yeah. Mr. Roberts yeah. coming along, coming in clutch, the, coming to Birmingham to yeah. to pay Tommy a visit. He's visiting the the gambling den here, as we've called it. Yeah. Kimber, by the way, by his eyes, actor's doing a great job because he always looks like a little bit slow and not knowing what's going on and not giving a damn about who's yeah. who. But Tommy's essentially saying, hey, here's my squad and we're going to take over. And mm-hmm. uh, what I wrote down here was, I re- you can kind of see like the, um, 
there's almost like a how do I put it a a dilemma with the accountant <laughs> where he sees that the Shelbys have been profitable for them but at the same time have not um that Shelby's dangerous and Tommy Shelby's dangerous enough to betray them and it could get hairy. Mm-hmm. But it all, all in all things work out here for the Shelby's and for the, for the Kimber racket as well, because they give uh, Tommy and the family their first legal gambling license. Legitimate business. <laughs> Legitimate business, John. It's <laughs> oh, great stuff. You got Arthur in the following scene. He's counting money in his brand new bar, the Garrison, which looks a lot nicer now that they've taken management over, right? Uh, Why did it look it so a, ding, dingy? Well, before we, he we took are over? in the back room, like the office, right? Like this is an unseen room. Yeah, we haven't seen it at all until just now. We saw the doorway. That was about it. Yeah, he's back there counting money, and Grace comes to help him because Arthur's not the counting type. Yeah, uh, he takes a nice look at uh, Grace's backside uh-huh. and you wonder i think he kind of keeps it to himself here because he knows that this is tommy's yeah, Tommy has laid yeah you claim. don't wanna yeah he's laid claim that. on grace like he's planted his flag there and um i think arthur's like yeah yeah my little brother can have this one but um grace is very much playing both sides here she's fishing for information from arthur to learn more about their operations where they keep the cigarettes and mm-hmm. she gives this information to campbell which to me at this time I was like Arthur, man, you really are the weak link. You are you know, the Fredo I, of I this family. I wrote down, you know, I'm like, did Arthur really just spill the beans to Grace about like you know, everything? Like he just I told think them it's one all of those things that Grace is, Grace is really attractive, and so she's fishing, and Arthur is like the most primal of the three brothers. Would you say? Yeah, I, I would agree with that definitely. I just I, I still find it like it just Stupid. shows how weak minded he is, right? Like yeah. And the other thing that kind of... Well, don't so, go too fast because he actually is not. Well, I'm not getting ahead of myself. The other thing, right. though, that I, that I wrote down about that that I, I kind of thought was odd was, you know, Arthur knew that he told Grace about, you know, the warehouses and the storage places and all of this and, you know, in a way kind of said what was going on, right? And the same evening... They all got yeah. raided. And I'm like, well, can you not put two and two together? They, they do make it seem, they do make it seem like um, it's the same night. Maybe it wasn't the same night. That's true. If it was the same night, I reiterate my point from the last episode. I would hate Campbell to be my handler <laughs> if I was a spy. Because how are you going to raid it the same night that you get the tip? Yeah, the like, moment you get it. It's like, all but, right, we're there. Uh, no. You know, two are you know, to our shame, because we were wrong about Arthur being foolish. The following scene, you see Tommy approach, actually confront Grace and say, I hear you've been asking questions. And, um, which means that Arthur knows that she was fishing and he didn't give her anything of worth or because Campbell ended up raiding it in a cut in a little montage where they found absolutely nothing but cigarettes and, and liquor. And they had to, well, actually, I, we take, I take it back because Campbell makes mention of this later uh-huh. that they covered everything up so it didn't look like a break-in. Uh-huh. So they actually put the lids back on everything. So it was the same night, but they didn't find anything. So so the tip didn't well, put her in danger. To your point with Arthur, though, I'm one, like, you know, you're, you're, you're taking like the positive spin and I'm, I'm thinking the opposite, as always. You know, you, you say, you know, Arthur just came to Tommy and told him, you know, hey, so-and-so is asking questions. 
I'm thinking Arthur may have come to Tommy and been like, hey, dude, I effed up. Um, I kind of told her about the storage places and the warehouses. Like, that's how I envision that conversation going. Yeah, I could see a, I could see your point there. And Tommy may, might have been like, Arthur, what mm-hmm. the hell are you doing? <laughs> you don't spill the beans on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't think that's how it went. I think Arthur, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here, man. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> cut to a scene of Tommy and Grace in a church. Why is Tommy bringing her to church? Uh, you know, this is like their p- private meeting place or something. Yeah, he's got pure intentions with her. That's why, because she's a good girl. So I, you take a good, you take a good girl to church. To you don't take her to the club. You don't take her to the bar. You take her to church. And that's what Tommy does here. As agnostic as he is. Hey, listen. He takes you to where two or more people gather, God is there. So church can hey. be anywhere. It could be in the bedroom. See? Well, <laughs> it, seem, it seems like in this show you have a lot of scenes in church where you want somebody to be honest. It's true. And by, and by the way, I had kind of a little theory. Maybe... Tommy and Arthur give information to Grace because they know that she's working with Campbell and that they'd rather have her close so that they can give her false information. You know? Yeah, but do they give her false uh, information though? Hey, you give a little fishing line out there about a a dock or a port that doesn't have anything. Mm. That's it, you know? But anyways, let's get to what's going on here. Tommy wants to hire Grace as a, I don't know what, I would say a position that he can keep her as close as possible. A personal assistant because he's in love with her. And Tommy puts the moves on her heavy on this scene. Oh, he does. You know, men listening out there in the audience, <clears throat> take, take notes. some notes. <laughs> take notes on Tommy Shelby's moves in this scene. Do what you got to do. Ladies, too, if you want to make the move, by all means. <laughs> it is a modern Grace, world, right? Grace is done here. Grace, her allegiances have been completely messed up here at this point in this scene because she's fallen for Tommy, too. Mm-hmm. And then you can see it in the scene. Yeah. She's conflicted. That is, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, I've heard things that Grace is, the actress who plays Grace was not, is not very well received by. I'm not a fan of her. To be like, I think I told you this the the first time I watched this. I don't really like Grace. I like Not in the first season. She gets better in the second or whatever. Yeah, I think it's the second. Don't say anything else. I'm not going to (laughs) say anything else. I just did not like her the first time. I still don't really like her that much. Like it's just like a lot of it's just too obvious what she's yeah. doing to me. I don't know. Well, I don't know. In the following scene, we get we get another female interest here of John's, Lizzie Stark. We actually see her for the first time because I don't mm-hmm. think we see Lizzie. I don't think we've seen her in before. a in a prior episode episode or scene in, of the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tommy essentially, Tommy's being manipulative here. He's trying to see if she's really changed. I honestly think. That if Lizzie would have denied service to Tommy here, mm-hmm. that he would have been okay with them getting married. And he I, wouldn't have brought this up to John. I agree. And this is this is the uh, decision that was made by somebody else that I was alluding to earlier on, right? Like if, if she decided to, to turn him down. Oh, yeah. You know, You're absolutely right Again, there. like, you know, then there would have been like a, like a civil war between the Lee boys and, and you know, uh, well, the Shelbys, right? Well, let's be honest here. I have a feeling that Lizzie's probably in love with Tommy. She sees her, mm-hmm. herself as some sort of like... John Boy's away away in the door, foot in the door or something like it, that. She, it's like John Boy will always be second, but Tommy really has her heart mm-hmm. because he's the leader. She was the only one that he would 
visit and have pretty much have sex with when he came back like for his lonely times from the war and um i think she feels like they have a deeper connection here right and so uh she says yes to one last time Mm -hmm. and i think tommy was pretty confident of that from when he made that that deal with uh with the lees to begin with also i think tommy probably would have told his brother that he hooked up with lizzie anyways so maybe that would have yeah, been that, like that's a, true. That could have been like a scummy too. side of of Tommy here. So well, it wouldn't have been scummy. It's like, do you want to marry the girl that your brother's hooked up with? Like it's yeah. kind of like, you know, it's not like it's just a, a gray area. It is. You know? It is. But uh, yeah, what, what we saw here was was Tommy offer her eight bloody pounds for for uh, one last I time, one last that. go around. Yeah, eight I pounds. Feel so bad equates to 217 roughly 217 dollars currently u.s dollars today yeah but i i feel i felt bad in this scene because i mean i guess that would be a lot of money back then but in some of the no, numbers no, no, that they no. throw around no. earlier in the show calculating it's inflation i'm calculating inflation 217 dollars in today's money is what that would have been worth back then did you look that up yeah it's in my notes how did you find that out? I just, dude, you, you do the calculation of pounds to dollar. You take that did conversion. Did you type the year, and Yes, and then you, then you calculate the inflation. Okay. Well, you looked it up then, right? I did. I told you I looked it up. All right. Well, anyways, Lizzie <laughs> says yes to the eight pounds, and Tommy says no, get out of the carriage. And I think he tells her, I, I didn't really catch that last part, but I think he tells her that he would have let it go on. But he says John will do what he wants to do. He'll be okay with it if John still wants to go through with the marriage. But uh, he John has to know all of the all of the details Mm -hmm. and so uh lizzie storms off and says your brother's 10 times the man you are (laughs) and and tommy admits this is true this is true all right zach you want to give us a little lowdown on this conversation that occurs with campbell and grace in their favorite art museum that seems to be their rendezvous spot yeah so basically grace is talking to campbell about how you know she's been offered a job and uh you know, the short of it is, is really Campbell becomes very frustrated and overprotective of Grace. And, uh, well, he's he's un, he's not really happy right now. Well, he, as we talked earlier, he has an inferiority complex. Yeah. Pretty much against any, everybody, but the one that we really see it against is Tommy. Mm-hmm. Because he's in love with Grace uh, in his own way. And he really just tries to talk down Tommy and his achievements mm-hmm. any way, any which way he can. But Grace is really not necessarily a uh, follow-the-law type of character. Mm-hmm. She's driven by vengeance on the IRA. Yeah. And um, she's not really concerned about the rest of the stuff going on, the power struggles going on with Campbell and the Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had Grace storming off. She's not She's not happy with Campbell either. Well, she doesn't like being lectured. and Or told what to do. I can't say I blame her. You know, she's the one taking the risk, right? Yeah, all of the risk. She's taking all the risk. She doesn't know these guys, like, what they would do to her if they found out that she's a spy, right? If only she knew. <laughs> yeah. I don't well, think her would... uh, her uh, barmaid days in uh, in Belfast would, uh... I think, is that I where she was from, know. Belfast? Yeah, I think knows? so. Because she lies about that, so... I think she's from Belfast, though. I think so. Well, the next scene we see John getting the car ready for his wedding or taking for taking Lizzie out to the park with the kids who that we never meet. Never. And uh it's in this scene where Tommy gives him the news about what happened. And um he lets him know, look, I have your back and I support you in your decision no matter what you want to do. 
but you know think do keep this in mind and john he's pissed he can't yeah, do it boys who wouldn't be john boy is pissed yeah, and Tommy's kind of celebrating. Oh, I was gonna, in the following he, he was very smug when he was right. He was very John smug. Boy. He's but, like, but it, by the way, it's his time of the day. He gets to see yes. his girl at the bar. <laughs> He's having a couple of shots with her. Yeah, and um, she even has a bit of champagne. But Tommy says, "Put it away for a for a celebrate uh, an occasion we can actually celebrate." Yeah. How good is that champagne that he saved it? I don't know. He probably just you're didn't sh- want you it. a champagne guy. I'm not. You know, I'll drink it. But I'm not a fan of it. It's really sweet, so it messes with my blood sugar, which is kind of just a pain in the ass. Yeah. But beyond that, like that's like one of the few things that'll end up giving me a headache if I have too much. Like it's not I, my I, go- can, I can it's drink not my a ton of wine. It, I can drink you know other stuff, and I'm fine. It does taste really good to it me, does. It but it's great. not. Um, it's not my necessary. It's not my go-to, and it does give me a headache. I would never go out of the way for champagne. No, I'd rather no, sal- celebrate with like a you know a scotch or something. I'll drink it, of course, but um, well, same and, and enjoy it. But it would not be my first choice. No, it's just would not. What I am really it. in the mood for and would be my first choice right now is an old fashioned. Yeah, I don't have the stuff in my house to make. Ah, uh, I've got the stuff over here. You do. You got oranges. I've got, got I've got oranges. I got uh, the Angostura bitters. I have uh, obviously the whiskey and the sugar cubes and everything. Yeah. Well, um, Grace has an assignment from Tom. What? I said you got to come over this weekend. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, you have Grace here getting her first assignment from Tommy, which is to deliver an invitation to Ada for an event that we will soon find out what it is. (laughs) Right? It's the event that I alluded to earlier. Yes, it is. (laughs) And uh, we see a scene here where Tommy's going up to his room and he hears something. And it's none other than John Boy, who seems to be plastered and trying to smoke opium <laughs> out of Tommy's favorite pipe. And um, we get a very vulnerable off. scene here between Tommy and John. First and foremost, we see that John is also struggling with the with the horrors that he witnessed in war. Yeah. And we really do see an element here of, like, John is the little brother in this scene, man. That's what yeah, it is. He is. He's just a little brother who needs some help. And we see that really all he wants to do is make his big brother proud. And if you really think about it, Tommy is the big brother of all three, even though he's the middle child. He, he's mentally the big brother. Yeah, he's everything, the big brother. Even Arthur wants to make Tommy proud. Come on. Oh, yeah, honest. I know. I mean, Ar- Arthur's not a leader. Yeah, he can lead for small things. Of course. We, and we yeah. saw that in the last but episode. He's, but he's not, a, he, he's not a, a tactician like Tommy. No, he's not. He, um, he, he does not have good strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we get a, like a really nice moment here with Tommy and John, and you know, Tommy's pretty much just consoling him a bit and Good. telling him, "Look, we're we're accomplishing things, man. Yeah. We're the first Shelby's in history to have a legal license." Mm-hmm. And then he makes a <laughs> a pretty cool impression of his granddad about how you know they they're not known for having honest money in the house. So, what did you think of this scene between Tommy and John? I, I mean, the acting is really good, actually. Like John Boy is is on point here i mean he, right. he's very frustrated he's visually getting red in the face you can see his veins popping out in his head like he's he's angry like he's doing good um yeah. but no i i thought the uh i thought the uh the scene was interesting like we, we got to see a different side of both tommy and john boy right because john boy's 
you, you know this hothead just like arthur is kind of a hothead too right yeah he yeah. he just seems less damaged than arthur and tommy's always strategic business business you know it, it's 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 just different from from i think the, the usual yeah exactly yeah. well last but not least we're getting to my final the well at least my favorite scene in this particular episode which is the event we've been alluding to the whole time in order for the alliance to take place between the Lees and the Shelbys, Tommy has arranged a marriage between an unsuspecting John and a gypsy princess who seems to have gone a little bit wild and they need to they need to lock her in to a marriage to kind of kind of tame her or something settle her down as they yeah. somebody says I don't remember who says it it may have uh, been the mother John's John knows something's up here because everybody starts handing him flowers <laughs> And they pin it to his uh, lapel. It's it's a done deal here. Who's bloody wedding? But I do love this scene here because there's a, there's a shot here where John he accepts his fate, and there's like a swaggering walk that John yeah. Boy does up the <laughs> does. thing with a toothpick in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, it's a great yeah. shot. Yeah, cue the rock and roll. Yeah, where are John's kids? Uh, dude, I'd love to know. I How old the, are they? He's the youngest out of the out of Tommy and Arthur. And he's got four he's got kids. Four kids. Yeah. Tommy doesn't have any. I don't. Arthur doesn't have any. Yeah. Tommy puts the the impl like the uh, implications of what would happen if John says no, and he pretty much says the war that will happen between the Shelbys and the Lees will make what we've experienced in the war look like a tea party. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he says tea party, but John realizes that he's been set up for this, and he just has to do it. But I love this shot of John where he just walk. decides. <laughs> he just knows. Well, that you know he's coming in here comes and the gypsy queen awaits kind of like in disbelief that it's actually occurring yeah i think she thought maybe that they would be stood up or whatever well I, um you know the other thought here that i had was maybe it there was no names named like maybe it it could have been john boy or someone else cuz right like like there's this moment where you know she the mother of the Lees, basically, or Queen of Lee, whatever it is, sees yeah. John Boy and, like, basically, like, gives some sign of approval, like, oh, okay, yeah. He's not freaking ugly. Like, that, you know, that's I what know, I have a feeling that in this negotiation, it was probably supposed to be Tommy to get married, and Tommy's like, hey, you know, that ain't for me. That's not gonna happen. Not to somebody I don't want to marry. And, um, this is what occurred, but it ended up being okay for John because... His wife's very pretty. Esme, I think's her name. Isma. As how do you say Isma? Isma. Uh, as uh, Asma. Something you know. like that. Well, they're getting married by a very righteous man named Johnny Dogs, and uh, yes. he's officiating the ceremony, which is great. <laughs> is Esme uh, the daughter of the Gypsy Queen? Esme Martha Lee is her name. So I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, they're yeah, all so Lees, right? So she's she is Gypsy royalty then. Yeah. Got it. Well, Ada shows up to the wedding and kind of calls out Tommy and says, you know, you actually admire Freddie Thorne. And we kind of see that Tommy does because if you really think about it, mm -hmm. Freddie's kind of who Tommy was before the war in a sense, right? Yeah. Fighting for a cause that he was like, he believed in that was larger than life. That was his purpose for life. And Tommy's been jaded. Like really his, his main purpose now is to pretty much secure as much power and influence for his family as mm -hmm. possible to create a better future for, th for themselves. Yeah. 
you know, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I think Tommy's just more of a realist at this point of what's possible and what's not. Mm-hmm. And he's also seen the destruction of what that ideology can bring to people and the and the, what it ravages in war. Yeah. You right? know, I I also want to talk about the the wedding real quick, the ceremony real quick. Yeah, right? yeah, let's like talk about uh that. <clears throat> just just a quick quick thing. It just it felt like a blood brothers ceremony right like you know you prick your finger somebody else pricks their finger and you just smear it like they just they cut each other's hands and you know it's like a bro- yeah. blood brothers yeah. thing it's not it's not very uh yeah i love this scene in general like i want to talk about a few things here i'm actually going to pause um our playthrough here mm-hmm. but i love the scene of john seeing as me for the first time because <laughs> i mean he's signing up for a marriage and he doesn't know if he's going to get like the you know, a total, you know, like just an absolutely ugly, sorry, part of my French, but you know, somebody who's not that attractive on the altar. You never know who could have been that gypsy princess, man. You didn't even man. say anything bad. <laughs> huh? I said you didn't even say anything French. Yeah, I didn't want to be offensive uh, to, you know. You've already said the F-bomb things happen. I did? No, I didn't. I, th- I think we did. Not something. in this episode. I don't know. Whatever. Go ahead. Maybe you did. Continue. You need to lay off the Jameson. I was reading the line it was uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was literally from the episode i was just reading the script it was just great all Stanley right chapman, and- <laughs> mr chapman <laughs> oh yeah that's right you did with the chapman <laughs> yeah. thing all right so it was your fault usually it's my fault that i curse in the episode it is true it is true yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know anyways. the script the script made me say yeah, so. yeah 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 anyways uh, i like the that expression when john sees her for the first time and she sees him because she she could have gotten somebody hideous as well a princess in the toad situation um yeah you know but he did have that thank god look on his face yeah but they you know both attractive people and nice little marriage between the two of them i love this scene because it's actually like one of the few happy scenes in peaky blinders where it's like everybody's joyous yeah. you can get a pretty nice scene where tommy's smoking a cigarette next to the gypsy mm-hmm. queen it's pretty nice it's almost like tommy's the head of the family but in peaky blinders all happy things must come to an end and ada begins to get out of control and she has to make a scene in front of the whole family. She really turns on him pretty hard here. Oh, she does. Why? Well, I think it's hormones. <laughs> She's pregnant. I think it's the alcohol. Like, and both. Yeah, but she's so like... She's so angry on the drop of a drop of a hat here you know it's just like well you know she is she is around um freddie all the time right like so you know she's probably pissed about that too and 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 she's probably pissed about the fact that she's stuck in a hole yeah i mean she just doesn't understand the whole story i would be too she doesn't know all the details tommy knows that Mm freddie would be put in jail if they weren't in hiding yeah anyway and by the way her water breaks in the situation it does uh, does a woman's water break if she's under a high amount of stress? Does that is that a thing? I don't know if that's a thing. I mean, if you're jumping around, I'm sure that doesn't help. Yeah, I don't know about the stress thing. Uh, I like this Sarah, this like little tradition that the Shelby boys do here, uh-huh. while the women go and like give you know the she gives labor to a child. They go off and get like you know Fuck. plastered. <laughs> I'm <at> sorry. The- <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, they get plastered. Yeah, they go get plastered at the bar, and they say the boys are gonna go get drink. And I was like, all right, that's a nice little tradition. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, <laughs> Ada is screaming for her life. Yeah. And Esma is actually getting initiated into the family by being kind of like a midwife here. Yeah. Well, this is this is uh, Polly's uh, moment of women's business or something along those lines. Yeah. You think this flies? I mean, is this, is, would this fly with your wife? 
me and you go get drunk while you're she's giving i'd probably have to be there (laughs) but but, uh when you're having your kid we'll go get drunk we'll do that (laughs) okay absolutely well so we'll definitely you'll need a drink so we'll just drink in the hospital we'll just have like a i'll bring it in like on paper and a paper bag just something to ease you up a little bit it's got to be a nerve-wracking situation which it is um but I still like the scene of the of the boys drinking. You even get a smiling, laughing Tommy who mm-hmm. laughs because Arthur's like, "Oh, look how giggly he is with Grace around." And he, they're just chatting like old times. You kind of get a picture like this is what they're like without a stressful situation yeah. occurring. Yeah. Right? Uh, meanwhile, Tommy expands the truce with Freddie to so he can be with his wife as she's giving birth, and he runs through the town. I really like that shot of him running through the mm-hmm. through the slums of Birmingham to go be with Ada. And he arrives to a very joyous scene of Polly smiling over the baby. And uh, does he name the baby in this scene? I, I mean, it's, I think so. Does he? Let's see. Let's know. find out. Because the scene doesn't end well. Because it yeah. ends with it um, Campbell storming in to arrest Freddie. Mm-hmm. And I would have to assume that Grace is the one who tipped him off because she's the only one who would have known yeah, of it. I was gonna. And by the way. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I keep on talking. No, no worries. Uh, isn't it kind of obvious? Like, who's the spy? I don't. I don't you think know? he named him in here. They, no, they came, he, like they came right after he, he he picked up the the kid. Here's the thing, though. Like, it had to have been Grace that tipped him off, right? Because in the, the earlier scene, just like literally a moment or two ago, when yeah. Tommy and Arthur and John Boy and everybody was in there drinking. Um, and getting getting plastered, right? Like, sh- Tommy had said that Freddie or s- was on his way to see his kid or something like that, right? And and Grace kind of got this look in her eye, like, oh, oh, really? And I feel like she just she like went to the back room, made a phone call, because I think there's a phone in there. Yeah, I th- they don't really show it on screen, but yeah. I would have to assume that it's Grace who who tips yeah. him off. I love this shot here. Tommy's drinking at the bar with Grace alone. Or by, he's drinking and Grace is cleaning up the, the counter. Mm-hmm. And there's a great shot of Tommy's face when Polly walks in. That He's in, like in a drunken stupor. You kind of know yeah. that. <laughs> Everyone kind of knows that drunken hey. stupor face. <laughs> and he comes to like a realization of like, oh, he sobers up real quick because Polly's accusing him mm-hmm. of having tipped off the police to arrest Freddie. But we honestly know here that Tommy didn't alert Campbell to it. Yeah. And Tommy has a realization here where did she spit on him there? Yeah, she spit on him. She did. She's out of control. I was going to say she she's really no, she spit on the really floor. She didn't spit well, on him. Well, not in his face or anything, but like towards yeah. the feet. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, spit, it's the same thing. You spit spit on no, the floor when not. you're looking at somebody no, and you're basically not. spitting on them. Would you rather someone spit in your face or spit at your feet? Well, if they spit in my face, I'd kill them. So I I don't know. Um anyways, I it's an important <laughs> scene because Tommy, you know, he knows Campbell went back on his word here. So happy times in Ridgemont High or fast times in Ridgemont High, they're coming to an end. And yeah. there's once again conflict again in Tommy's life. Of course. And end of episode. It was a good episode. Yeah. It, you know, when, when you said earlier on, you know, this is one of the happier episodes, I'm like, is it really? Like, I, I didn't think it was. Like, I thought it was one of the less happy ones. But, you know, everything up until the very end, I think, was actually more, more. I don't want to say lighthearted, but it, it was it was happier than the other ones. 
Um, well, anyways, uh, anyways, I, we're at the end. Yeah, I would say it's a, uh, overall a happier episode, but mainly because of the wedding. Yeah, it's that, really that just the big thing. End scene. It's it's the wedding that that went on. Like, there's we get to see these more joyous moments with some of the characters, Tommy, Arthur, John Boy, and and everybody. Um, so I mean, I think that bit was just like there was less seriousness periodically throughout this episode, which was nice. Yeah, um, it, it's like a nice breather, but it ended probably right like the worst. Yeah, it was, to, ex- right? exactly. Like, like yeah. happiness does not last long in the Peaky Blinders well, world. Actually, actually, I will challenge that because you have Tommy who also has that moment with Grace and they kiss for the first time. I think. In the church, yeah, yeah, first time. So you got you get a few happy scenes in this episode. No, you do. You, you get do. their first legal gambling license. Yeah. It's a happy moment. You get several little happy moments. Let's say about three or four of them. Yeah, no, I mixed I mean, in, I, mixed in with darkness, mixed in with Campbell, mixed in of with of course. Um, I, I, but I think you call it though. Things. I mean, out of, out of the other three that we've watched so far, this was like the the least serious, dark episode that we've had. It still ended terrible. Like I said, like happiness does not last long for the shelbys but yeah you know that that's that's i mean it's where we are anyways uh since we're at the end of this best scene or favorite best scene, scene. favorite scene i'd have to say is the wedding in Damn. general everything with it and um the boys drinking together i i like all those scenes mm-hmm. just to kind of get more of a feel of like the play between the characters and stuff like that well, last time you had the best scene that I had written down. I had to pick something else. I wrote down the <laughs> wedding. I'm not going to pick something else at this point. Like, I, I really think that that was my favorite scene overall. I, okay. I don't think there was much right. else. Like, the entire, you know, element of the wedding, you know, going on. Like, there was, there was a lot, um, a lot you going know, on there. If I had to choose runner-ups, I would say the scene with Grace and Tommy in the church. Uh, I really liked that scene as well as the um, conversation with John and Tommy in, in the room. I really enjoyed that as well. Yeah. Yeah, that, that the, the the conversation in the room with uh, John, Tom and Johnny, Johnny, geez, I think would uh, would be my second favorite. I wasn't too much of a fan of the church one. Um, I mean, it's not like it was bad. You're just not a fan of Grace. Just, I, yeah, I just I don't like her. Um, anyways, most memorable character for this episode. I have mine, and I have a feeling it's going to be the same as yours. <laughs> most memorable character for this episode or who made like the big who stole the episode i mean you know, like who had the best performance in the episode i'd have to say um you want to go first or me you already have it i have I mine written down mine. you go ahead I, I have i have mine written down for some of these questions so i'll let you answer first okay um i guess it's a cop out to always say tommy but i i got to go tommy okay. on this episode see, i think my, he he stole the show mine is John Boy because we got to see okay. you know we got to see a lot more of him. We got to see a lot, you know, a lot of different sides right. of his character, right? Like this whole this whole episode is is in a, in a way centered around him, right? Like yeah, you have you have Lizzie, I can't you say have I can't say spoilers, but John Boy actually, you're absolutely right, and I, I would change my answer if I could, but I'll stick with Tommy. Uh, even something he says about marrying Lizzie Stark. That has repercussions later on in other seasons, and we actually see the truth of what he's saying. I'm not going to give anything away because it would give away some spoilers. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of truth in what happened with John Boy in this episode and, and what he was used for in this episode. Aside from his four kids, who just do not exist, can we get a quick Google search as to John Boy's four kids? 
<laughs> I'm doing this. I'm looking All it right. up right now. All John right. Boy's Kids. You uh, you do that. God, while, what is this? What just got popped up? While you're, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to see John Boy's kids. But uh, while you're looking oh. that up, you know, there was there was two things that were mentioned in uh, in the episode, and I figured I would look them up just in case people were curious. We have the one which is pretty obvious. It's the women only days. It's basically a, a polite way of saying they're on the period. And then we have the Bolsheviks, <laughs> right? So the Bolsheviks, I had to look that up because I didn't know what that was. Do you know what that was? Bolsheviks? Bolsheviks are communists. Okay, yeah. So basically... But it's the Russian Revolution. Yeah, it's a member of the majority faction of the Russian Social Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. which was renamed the Communist Party after seizing power in October, or in the October Revolution of 1917. So like just recently, they became the Communist Party. So like the the whole CP thing is it is very new. The communist thing is very new. The communist party is very like yeah. it, it happened like less than a year old at this point. Yeah, well, I will remember because I took a I think I took a Western civilization class in or European history, and the Bolshevik Revolution was fascinating. Just like one of the, probably the thing that surprised me most about that course was how was how fascinating it was to learn about the Bolshevik Revolution and how that took place and. Mm-hmm. Um, just the uprising that took place and the, just the violence yeah. that exploded in that area. Um, and really, wherever communism goes, violence erupts. Yeah, uh, It's like a volcanic eruption of violence that occurs whenever it's able to take power. So um, I don't know where you were going with that, but yes, that, that's a good tidbit of, of history there. Uh, no, I mean, it was just some terminology used in the episode, and you know, I figured I would look it up mm. for yeah, anybody that's good. who that's good stuff. You know, wasn't sure on you know, some of the terms and words and phrases used in the show. What about Scudboat? <laughs> what about him? <laughs> nothing. You want me to look up Scudboat? I don't want to well, look I up Scudboat. I should have put <laughs> Scudboat still seen. I don't think Scudboat gets that much airtime ever again. No, I don't think so. I think that was that was uh, his shining moment there. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? I think the plot holes the plot holes go to four, the four kids of John. <laughs> That's the plot four hole. kids. Yeah. That yeah. one takes the cake. That's for sure. All right. So after this, we got episode five and six. So we have two more episodes left before we cap off season one yeah. of the first season of our Peaky Blinders podcast. Um, any closing thoughts, statements of anything like that? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I think we covered most of it. I'm excited to, to finish season one. It's been a long time since I've watched the show. I mean, at this point, five years since I watched the season, right? I will say so. that I'm picking up on so many things that even though this is like my third rewatch Peaky Blinders, you still pick up little details that you just overlooked in the first time. You but know, it, it also is probably because I'm writing notes while watching the show. Everything is like that, though. Like uh, like Harry yeah. Potter. Every time we watch Harry Potter, uh, I feel like we're always seeing something we didn't see before or catching yeah. something we didn't catch. Like it, like the level of detail in it is great. Um, the only other thing I was going to bring up... Uh, is a movie that I want to watch. I have no idea if it's going to be good or not. And if you've seen it, let me know what to expect. But, uh, you know, I, I keep hearing Belfast this and Belfast that and Grace is from Belfast. And, you know, outside of the show as well, like I keep hearing about Belfast and, you know, like all these different shows and all these different movies. I have no idea what on earth happened in Belfast, but there's a movie 
called Belfast about what happened in Belfast. Mm. Have you seen the movie Belfast? No, I have assume, I'm assuming it's about the IRA. It might be. I'm going to watch that at some point. So I have it on my, uh, my Apple TV list. So I'm going to have to watch that as like homework or something for like season one of this or season two. Side homework assignment. Let me know if it's any good so I can yeah. watch as well. I will. I will. All right. Um, Zach, you do the outro per usual. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening to episode four of season one of the Peaky Blinders podcast by Story Archives. If you want to find us on the internet, uh, you can find our website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com. We're on Instagram at Story Archives. You can also listen to this podcast basically anywhere podcasts are found. Apple, Spotify, Google, you know, you can find us on most of the others, but you know, there's, there's the main ones. And beyond that, you can find us at our, you know, podcast network, which is the Midnight Exchange. You can go to that website there at themidnightexchange.com, and there's a whole bunch of information there. Um, you know, you, it links you out to all of the social media. And mm-hmm. if you want to send us an email, you know, you have any suggestions, I don't know, maybe you're like a subject matter expert on all things. Please. Yeah, I mean, send us an email at, at podcast at themidnightexchange.com, and we'd be happy to have you on maybe we can make a bonus episode out of it and you know you can drop some knowledge on us but other than that i think that'll uh that'll do it for episode four that'll do that'll do that'll do thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the peaky blinders podcast by story archives until next time peace peace peace